Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Welcome to this thing called life. I'm your host, Andy Johnson, and I hope you are doing well. I have two wonderful guests with me today that I met recently, and I'm really looking forward to you meeting them and learning more about their story. As I've said before, this year is really about diving into the truths about organized tissue donation because there's a lot of misinformation. So my goal is really to dig further into this topic to create a better understanding of what donation is and isn't and how it affects so many people. Donation gives people a second chance to live and the opportunity to heal. If you are one to receive an organ, tissue or cornea transplant, And what that means is more celebrations with family and friends and the ability to create beautiful memories. For the donor family who is grieving the loss of their loved one, donation is an opportunity to honor the gifts that their loved one was able to give through the miracle that is donation. So I would encourage you to visit lifepassiton.org for more information. Also, March is National Kidney Month. So I want to devote this month to sharing stories about kidney donation, kidney prevention, kidney disease, and kidney health. Please visit nkf.org. There's a lot of great information and resources there. Again, it's nkf.org to learn more about kidney health, as well as the signs that may indicate that you need to visit your physician. So with that, I am so excited to welcome Marty and Bonnie Garnerette to the show today. Hello and welcome. Nice to see you. Nice to talk with you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. (laughs) So as I said, we met a few weeks ago and I just thought it would be really nice to have you both on the show. Bonnie, you are... Marty's not only his wife, but his kidney champion. And I just was just, I was really inspired just by your connection. I can tell that there's just such genuine love among the two of you. And I just thought it would be great to get you on the show so that our listeners could learn more about you and and Marty. So with that, I will hand it over to you both. Go ahead. You want to get started? (laughs) Okay, sure. My name is Marty Garnerett. We uh, have been married 41 years this month. Congratulations. Thank you. And I have married an angel without wings. She is my kidney champion. I developed diabetes uh, in my late 40s. And um, the primary care doctor was, in my opinion, not as knowledgeable as primary care physicians should be on diabetes, especially with younger people. There are two types of diabetes, type one, which are 
born with, and that is uh, you, your body does not produce any insulin whatsoever. So you're on insulin shots from basically the time you're born. And then there's what's called type 2 or adult onset, which comes from heredity, bad eating, lack of exercise, all the bad stuff you're, that you do, especially when you're young and dumb. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've all been there. And you need to pay attention. You need to take it seriously. If the doctor says to you, well, you're pre-diabetic. Well, that's like being a little pregnant. It just, <laughs> you either are or you're not. <laughs> it's just pretty simple. You either are or you're not. So if, if they say you're pre-diabetic, that means your sugar is running high on a regular basis and it's destroying your body. So you need to get to a specialist, an endocrinologist. There are a bunch of them in Cincinnati all around. Most of them are really busy, as are most doctors everywhere. And they will help you through registered diet. And it's not fun. It's not a disease to be taken lightly. Because then it leads to chronic kidney disease, which is what I have, mm -hmm. if you don't pay enough attention to it. And then you're graded on a scale of, of stage one, one to stage five, mm -hmm. transplant material, and that's where I am at 70 years of age. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Okay, we were lucky enough to meet a gal by the name of Gar Darcy Gibson, who has a foundation called uh, or a charitable organization called off the list when you first start with kidney disease you are one of about 100 to 150,000 people who are on a list of possible recipients and so she has started this you have to go and qualify to be on the list. So you go through a whole battery of testing that um, to check your general health, your heart, your liver, your lungs, your you name it, they check it. And they fill you full of vaccines. Is that a rigorous process? I'm sorry? Is that a rigorous process, Marty, to go through that testing? I know. Well, it's... It's... Basically, like an involved physical, you know, they do an EKG, they do a stress test, they they give you a CAT scan. It's none of it's real horrible, but it's just time that it takes up. Mm -hmm. And then they they have three different people you meet with. One is a social worker, which is interesting. I found because they want to check your mental capacity. In other words, if you receive a kidney, are you psychologically ready for that? Because it's a big deal. It's a real big deal. And then you meet with a nutritionist that tells you basically there's not a whole lot of food you can eat that is kidney friendly. And uh, there are nurses and doctors that help you through. I can only speak to our case, which is with Christ Hospital. 
I'm assuming that most of them are exactly the same, mm-hmm. that they're, they put you through these tests. Then once you get on the list, then the object is to get off the list, which is where Darcy comes in. You have to get the kidney and, first. Uh, yes. In order to get off the list, you have to receive a donor kidney. Yeah. So Bonnie can speak to how she has done this through Facebook, through yard signs, emails. It's unbelievable the work this woman has done on my behalf. And I was told in the beginning, you are to stay healthy. That's your only job. You're not to help with any of this. So Bonnie, I'm going to let you take it from there and tell everybody what you've done. Yeah. So Bonnie, let me start. Let me start with this. What what made you both what made you both decide that living a living kidney donor was the right option for, for Marty? Nephrologist that we see the difference between receiving a living donor, a, a kidney from a living donor versus a deceased donor. And he would much rather put a kidney in from a living donor because it will function far better than a deceased kidney and longer. But the list that Marty is talking about is a list to receive a deceased donor kidney. To to get a living donor kidney, you must find someone who is willing to donate a friend, a relative, or just an altruistic donor. Mm -hmm. And it's really tough. I could not donate. I tried, but I've had kidney cancer, so I'm out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We give kids. We know one of them has been tested. We don't know about the rest. And you really don't get any information regarding whether or not there are any people being tested who would be eligible to be a donor. And that is, that's a great Um, point just to, to talk a bit about, it is a completely anonymous process. So if someone gets tested on Marty's behalf, you would never know that. And the hospitals take that very seriously because they want to ensure that, you know, the person is want, who, who is doing this wants to, you know, do it for the right reasons and that there is no the, the sense of pressure or so they really are very much uh, take that very seriously. So they do, you know, a, a relative sometimes gives out, out of love because they want that person to, you know, it's usually husband, wife, son, daughter, whatever. And there's a personal attachment there, but the altruistic donor is doing it. I believe in, in my opinion, it's a calling. Mm -hmm. It's, it's some, somehow they're thinking I, I need to do this. And maybe they've just seen the signs, the flyers or Facebook posts um, and have been thinking about it. 
And maybe this is just what they needed to help make that decision for them. If they keep seeing all this and say, I think I really want to do this. And I think it's wonderful. We're probably at the point where we are hoping to find an altruistic donor. We've pretty much exhausted the friends and family. Most of our friends are too old anyway. <laughs> well, Marty, how long, how long has Marty been waiting? Almost a year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Tell us the Facebook page that you set up for people. The Facebook page is called Life for Uppo. And it's U-P-P-O. Tell us about Uppo. Okay. <laughs> Uppo is Marty. But the, our grandchildren call him Uppo just because the oldest one, when he was very young, just kept pulling on his sleeve and trying to get his attention. And he just couldn't say grandpa, I guess. And he just came out Uppo. <laughs> and Marty responded and it stuck. So now the grandkids do call him Uppo. And because we wanted to get, people to really read the information on the signs or the email or the flyers, I decided that UPO would be perfect because people would have to ask a question and start the conversation. What is UPO? What is an UPO? Who is UPO? And that is the conversation starter. Okay. You get them to ask. And Life for Uppo is what we have for our Facebook page. And as Marty mentioned before, we are working with the Christ Hospital. And Trisha Monson is the donor coordinator at Christ. And her phone number is 513-585-1440. And she is happy to take your call and answer any questions that anyone would have about donation, kidney donation. And they should mention either Uppo or Marty so that Trisha knows where, who they're and talking people, about. And one thing, too, people should know is it's, you know, the testing process is you go through an initial screening process that typically is done through the transplant center on via website or internet. You go through that and then based on your responses, then you either, you move forward in the process. And um, what that looks like is that you receive a kit to do a, a swab test to determine blood type and some other kind of more extensive criteria. So that that's kind of the initial part of that process, just, just for listeners who are interested in kind of understanding what that, what that looks like. I do want to interject one thing, if I might, Andy, to show you how strange this journey is. I go to the dentist, actually to a periodontist three times a year, to get my teeth cleaned, as most people do. And back in March of last year, I happened to mention to my dental hygienist about this kidney issue I had just found out about. 
and she was asking me questions. You know, she's a nice gal, and she was asking me questions about this and that, and questions I had no answers for. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I said, well, you know, somebody has got to be able to step up and be a hero because it's huge. I mean, you're saving someone, and in a lot of cases, two people's lives. I don't think people understand that, that if you, Andy, wanted to give me a kidney and you were not tissue and blood type and all that as a match, then your kidney then goes into a a pool and I call it the world's largest garage sale because your kidney is out there and it says, okay, I have a kidney that is blood type X and the tissue type is Y. And then somebody else says, oh, I have one that is a match for me. So your kidney would come out. It's done laparoscopically. It's almost outpatient surgery for you guys, for donors. Recipients are a little different, but nonetheless. Then they put them on airplanes and they fly them across the country if necessary. Everything is paid for. Everything. That's a great Hospital point. stay, plane fare, everything is, is paid for by Medicare, by the insurance, by the National Kidney Foundation, just a lot of different moving pieces. So therefore, if you did that, you would be saving two lives, not just one. So it's kind of a bigger picture. But I strayed from my original story, which was about my dental hygienist. She is from the west side of Cincinnati, which is typically a non-industrial side and uh she just looked at me and said well i'll do it and i said excuse me now remember i don't know anything about this process at this point and she said well i'll do it why wouldn't i just like matter of fact like sure i'll take you up to udf to get an ice cream cone i mean it was just about that casual Mm-hmm. And I said, you're kidding, right? And she said, no, I'm not kidding. Why would I kid about something? Why wouldn't I do it? And that was the first inclination to me or the first idea that I had that, oh, my Lord, this is this could happen. As it turns out, she was not eligible because they put you through a lot of testing And there were reasons why I don't know what they are because they won't tell you. And I'm not sure they even told her, but she was going to end up because she was not a match for me, as I found out later, but she was going to save two lives with that one gesture. And it was so matter of fact, I'm still in awe. I went to see her last week and I told her, I said, you're my hero. I don't know anybody else who would step out and say, I'll do it. Right. And I don't think people understand how serious this disease is and that it will kill you. There are many thousands of people that die every day from kidney failure. And there are several things that work against you. Number one is age. For every year you're over 60, you lose 
one percent. Is that right, Bonnie? I think so. One one percent of your kidney function for every year that goes by after age sixty. So, like my mother, who is still alive, who is a hundred and one, if she were in perfect health, which is pretty much the case since she's 101 and still alive <laughs> but she's lost 41 percent of her kidney function just through age so that's how it works against you so marty let me ask you this what what were some signs you said that you were diagnosed in your in your 40s with diabetes right. what, what signs did you experience well typical diabetic signs that I pay no attention to. And I urge your listeners to pay attention. I slept 12 hours and felt like I didn't sleep five minutes. I drank unbelievable amounts of liquid, whether it be coffee, pop, water, whatever it was. In my case, I sweated. I don't know if there's a past tense for sweat, but <laughs> I was sweaty all the time. A lot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it you lost moved, a lot of weight. And I lost 20 pounds in the first month, mm. which, you know, unless you're on a starvation diet, you don't do. No. You have to go to the bathroom a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's your body trying to rid itself of the poison. Mm-hmm. So those are all the signs that you need to be aware of. Now, don't take it too far and say, oh, my gosh, if I urinate more than three times, I must have diabetes. That's not true. But the tiredness, the unquenchable thirst, just sort of the textbook things you read wow. everywhere and every yeah. doctor can can tell you. So those are the signs. Did I pay attention at first? No, I did not. And then I went and had a uh, a blood test and they said, you're diabetic. And I said, oh, okay, what do I do now? Well, I'll just kind of watch it. And that's not what you do. Believe me, it's not what you do. That was also 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And things have changed. Mm-hmm. A lot has changed. People are more aware of signs of like diabetes and things like that because awareness Mm -hmm. people are becoming more aware because there are people like me and you Andy and Darcy who are educating other people and teaching them to become more aware whether it be diabetes kidney disease um basically any, anything, um, heart disease. I think now uh, women are becoming more aware of the fact that the signs for heart disease or heart attack are different for women than for men. And I think 30 years ago, the awareness wasn't out there mm-hmm. or people didn't talk about it. I think it was a, I think it was a little bit of both. And I think still now we, we, we have that battle and that people aren't always talk, comfortable talking about what's going on with them or they, 
they're in denial about what's going on. That's exactly right. They're in denial. They are. But, you know, we have platforms where you can talk. For instance, your podcast, this is educating people. And it's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've talked to nephrologists in the past who refer to this as a silent killer because people just, if the symptoms aren't so bad, they just kind of keep on going and then it reaches a crisis point and they're being told they're in, you know, stage four, stage five kidney failure. And yes, and kidney cancer is the same way. I had kidney cancer. Mm -hmm. That's why I couldn't donate. But you don't know. You have, there are no symptoms. I was very, very fortunate to find out early. So how long have you been um, cancer-free? Oh, my gosh. Um, Since, um, uh, let's see. Seven years. Seven years? Yes. Seven years. Been cancer-free. Wow. Oh, that's a I even blessed. offered I even offered to take her bad kidney. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't let me. <laughs> I said, well, it's better than what I have. <laughs> the doctor but, said we can't do that. I will tell you one extremely difficult thing when that he's been going through, and I have been experienced in also is the diet. Yeah, the diet that you have to be on when you are looking for a kidney is extremely difficult. the The things that you have to avoid, mm-hmm. um, the sodium, potassium. You have to watch your carbs because he's a diabetic. Um, so we have to watch almost everything. I mean, mm-hmm. he's probably allowed to eat the the paper bag that the groceries come in and that's about it. It's we're not big fish eaters. Mm-hmm. So our diets are very limited. He eats a lot of plant-based foods. Um, he's almost a vegetarian mm. because you should avoid beef and tomatoes, which he loves. It's hard. And potatoes, all the things that, you know, you would make a soup or a stew or something out. It's very difficult to make a soup without tomato sauce or, or tomatoes. Or... Tomatoes have in everything and in, in, in most things that we eat. You know? Yes. Yes, they are. Ketchup and all that yep. stuff. And is that because of the high? Is it a, like acidity that's in tomatoes or something or? It's just potassium. Potassium, okay. Yeah, and and tomatoes are really, really bad for your mm-hmm. kidneys, especially when you have kidney disease. Okay, I, I did not know that. Now, I don't know if your listeners are aware, but you can live with one kidney. Yes, great point to make. That's the other thing I wanted to stress was... There's so much misinformation out there. We ran into a young lady who said, I would like to donate a kidney, but I have to donate it to a woman. And I asked her, why do you think that? And she said, because I'm a woman. So therefore, a woman has to get it. 
And I said, no, I'm sorry, but the kidney doesn't care where it lives. <laughs> and it so, there, kidney. yeah, and there's a lot of people who, and, and I was one of them. I don't know anything about kidneys. Mm -hmm. I do now. Live with one kidney. <laughs> I never knew that you could share your spare. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's an unbelievably unselfish, selfless, almost religious act. If you're if you have a religious bent, it's almost like a calling to the priesthood or to become a pastor or whatever. Because to work in hospice. Yeah, to That's work in hospice. Calling or be a nurse on a pediatric cancer floor. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that. No matter what they paid me, I couldn't do it. I'd take every kid home with me. <laughs> and well, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't mentally do it, but there are very strong people out there who can and who do, and God love them all. It, you know, it seems to be you have these kind of two categories of people um, when it comes to this conversation about being a living donor. Many who are like your dental hygienist who they, they're like, why wouldn't I? Of course, if I can do this, if I can help you, I'm going to do it. And then you kind of get this other part of the, the opposite end of the spectrum where they just they, they can't wrap their minds around it or. They believe the misinformation um, that does exist out there. And so I feel like we need to do a better job of kind of filling that middle part up and just really helping people understand this is something that they can do. They can live and function very well with one kidney. And also just the tremendous, you know, the sense of being able to help someone to be a hero, as you said, um, while they're still living. I mean, what what a tremendous act of kindness to give to someone else in need. Absolutely. And, you know, on our Facebook page, since I am the author or editor, whatever you call it, yeah, <laughs> yes, I get a lot of graphs and, and things telling me how well it's working. And there, it's very interesting to me because... The posts that we've put up, the age group of people who have commented or shared is between 40 and 55, age 40 and 55. And that's our target audience. That is our target audience. Um, and by the way, I am on three lists people need to know this too there are lists like this all over the country so you can have one for the cleveland clinic the mayo clinic oklahoma dallas wherever great but, we're listed at three different centers yeah i am listed with christ hospital university of cincinnati and believe it or not children's hospital okay and i have a bit of an issue with I told my doctor I said I don't know that I could take a kidney from a child mm -hmm. I mean I don't know psychologically if I'm ready for that mm -hmm. and he said well 
you have to look at it as though the child isn't doing it. The parents are giving life from something that they lost. They're making something. And that's like the highest calling you can get. I don't really think that would happen because children's hospital really prefers to give to children. Of course. And they should. Yep. But if something would happen and there aren't any children who would need it, then he's on that list to receive a kidney. Chances are he won't get one from a child, but see. Well, so what, let's fast forward and Marty, Marty has successfully received his kidney. What would be the, what would be the first thing you guys would want to do? I want to eat my wife's (laughs) special dinner that I have for every birthday and every time I can get away with it, which is homemade macaroni and cheese, Bob Evans sausages, Mm -hmm. fresh grown tomatoes out of my garden because I grow tomatoes, even though I can't eat them. Mm -hmm. Um, And she makes it, I don't know, she does some kind of magic to it that, pardon pardon my vernacular but it will make you smack your mama (laughs) it's that good it's just macaroni and cheese with sausages and tomatoes sausage links and tomatoes our son does not like it at all (laughs) our daughter loves it her kids love it and marty loves it and it's good I don't think it's that great, but I'm the yes. one that has to make it too. Um, but yes, he he will be able to eat that. Yes. And and I think but it's going to be a while. I'm not sure he's going to want it first thing. I don't know. I may wake up from anesthesia one minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it. it's funny. Like if you don't, want food what do you want if you take food out of the out of the picture what is the first thing you want to do well assuming that everything heals properly and all that then bonnie and i are going to take some trips that i have been not able to do because i'm not allowed to go more than two hours away in case there's a deceased kidney that comes up and it's a match for me, I have to be able to get to Christ Hospital within two hours. And that's great to say, well, we can fly to Florida in two hours, but trying to get a plane back within a window is, you know, Delta and I have a very, very good agreement. If I don't show up, they go ahead and take off anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's our travel has been limited and I have never other than on business been to the east coast and what one of my dreams has always been and this of course comes from a fat guy is I would like to start in Maine and eat lobster all the way down the east coast (laughs) until they have to get an oversized bus to take me home (laughs) In like 
Baltimore from Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. But we're back to the food. That's right. Now we're right back to the food again. <laughs> well, try try eating my diet and then tell me about it. <laughs> Listen, I know your diet, but yeah, I know. you know, I think he probably would. I know him well enough. He wants to be able to play with the kids mm-hmm. and yep. not be out of breath because he's very, very out of breath and he has to sit down. His back hurts and can't do what he wants to do. Like he loves woodworking, but he can only do so much and he has to sit down. And, and I want to get I know back. That he's frustrated with all of that. Very frustrated. And I think he would like to be able to do things that he cannot do around the house right now. I don't know if he just doesn't want to do them. <laughs> <laughs> That's my secret. I'm yeah, gonna keep I know. <laughs> but he just, you know, he looks good mm-hmm. yes. on the yes. outside, but he's not good on the inside. And I think that. That's a lot of what people don't understand because they say, well, you look great. He does, but they don't understand that the kidney function is still going down and you can't see that. Well, I think that's true, Andy, for tissue transplant, for skin, corneas, any organs. You know, you there's more than just kidneys. Yes, yes. the kidney is applicable to, pardon me, to me. Mm-hmm. But there are other things, as you well know, Andy, that people can donate. Yeah. And I think that it's just, it, it, if people understood how grateful recipients were I think it would cause a lot more people to donate because they're heroes. They become angels without wings. That's right. And I think, I think there's a separate entrance into heaven for people like that. There's no way. Do you know that donors typically live longer than people who have not donated? You probably knew that, Andy. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a statistic. It it is. And I've read about it so much on National Kidney Facebook, um, their Instagram. I've read a lot about it and other places also. And I think that's awesome Mm -hmm. that, you know, you can live with one kidney and you typically live longer. Wow. I know. Great statistic. Yeah, I did not realize that. I think might have something to do with the fact that they feel so good about Mm -hmm. themselves and they don't feel sorry for themselves. They don't probably, um, you know, I think everybody has a little bit of depression. I don't think you can escape some depression. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Um, Especially in today's world. Yeah, maybe they maybe they just feel really good about themselves for saving a life. 
or two. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. That's a great point. So we're going to have to wrap up our time, but I just want to remind listeners to learn more about Marty's story and his look his quest to find a living kidney donor. You can visit the Facebook page Life for Uppo. That's U-P-P-O. And also uh, you can reach out to Trisha at Christ Hospital. That number is 513-585-1440. Again, 513-585-1440. And the Facebook page is again Life for Uppo. U-P-P-O. So I want to thank both of you for just taking the time to to talk. And I really appreciate your your candor and and your humor, because I think that's probably what's helping you get through the tough days, if I had to guess. But I also just appreciate you being so honest about what this process has been like. And you guys are just such a shining example of true unconditional love. I I felt it the first time I met you and I feel it now. And I just, you know, Bonnie, you are an amazing, amazing person. And Marty's very lucky to have you and just such a champion and an advocate for him. And it's, it's amazing. So thank you for doing that. And just thank you to all of the people who are supporting their, their partners and loved ones through, through these difficult health journeys, because they are difficult and, you know, it's not a linear path. And so, you know, there's good days and bad days in between. So appreciate, appreciate you, Bonnie. And you as well, Mark. <laughs> yes. I take care I of him. I have to make sure he stays healthy. I know. That's what I hear. You know, I heard you're a warden about that diet, but that's a good thing. I am. I'm the food warden. (laughs) (laughs) No tomatoes for him. No tomatoes. (laughs) Stay away from that garden. Okay. So as we close today, I just want to remind our listeners that today there are 106,204 people waiting for life-saving organ transplants. And more than 90,000 of those need a kidney transplant, just like Marty. So your decision to be a donor, taking the step to registering can mean life for a person who is fighting to live. These are women, men, children. They're our neighbors. Uh, They're people who live, worship, worship and work in our communities. And they're also complete strangers, all who just need help. So please visit lifepassiton.org to get informed, to be empowered, and to learn the truths about donation. I want to thank you all so much for listening, and please be kind to yourself and to others. Thanks so much. This episode is brought to you by Life Center. You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By designating your decision to become a donor, you have the opportunity to change the lives of many and save up to eight lives. Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana say yes to donation by registering to become an organ, eye, or tissue donor today. Go to lifepassiton.org for more information.
Thanks to LifeSetter for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow. 